I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Welcome to Inside and Out, the body edition of the July Book Blast. This is Thursday's Body Blast. Let's call it that, the Body Blast. And I'm calling it that because one author is a ballerina, one is a yoga teacher, and one investigates DNA. So that's why I hope you'll enjoy these varied takes on the human body. Tara Stiles is the founder of Strala, the revolutionary approach to being, moving, and healing. Strala teaches yoga, tai chi, and traditional Chinese medicine to help people release stress, let go of bad habits, and move easily through all kinds of challenges. Strala is practiced in more than 100 countries, and thousands of guides are leading Strala classes daily around the globe. Tara has authored several best-selling books, including Yoga Cures, Make Your Own Rules Diet, and Strala Yoga. She's been profiled by the New York Times, the Times of India, the Times in the UK, and featured in most major national and international magazines. She is a sought-after speaker on topics of entrepreneurship, health, and well-being. Harvard even profiled Tara's work in a case study, and she has spoken with students at Harvard and NYU about her experience and approaches to creativity and leadership. She currently lives in New York City with her husband and their daughter, Daisy. Her most recent book, by the way, was Helping Advise on National Geographic's Book of Animal Yoga Poses, which is amazing. Hi. Hey. <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you again. I know we discussed yoga animals yeah. on Instagram Live, which I have here, and I think I didn't have it in front of me last time, even though oh, it was so upstairs. But anyway, yeah, now at least we can chat for a few extra minutes and yeah. hear more about all the rest of your stuff and not just this oh. book. <laughs> <laughs> but for listeners who don't know about Yoga Animals, which is a National Geographic Kids collaboration that you did, you were the yoga expert for them on this book, which is called, which the subtitle of which is A Wild Introduction to Kid-Friendly Poses. <laughs> so tell everybody a little more about sort of your role in the yoga community and then how you ended up being a consultant for some a, a place like National Geographic, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that is pretty wild. I mean, pretty simple. I I started a tiny little studio in 2008, and my boyfriend at the time's apartment ended up marrying him. <laughs> he was nice about it, and you know, the the idea was to move in a way that felt good to you, and that was really, if you can believe it or not, scandalous at the time within the yoga world. I was playing kind of soft, feel-good music that people could identify with. And that was also very scandalous at the time. But I wasn't trying to start all these problems. It was more, you know, I learned about yoga as a young kid in, in a dance program. And my first thought was, this is incredible. This is amazing. I had a really good teacher. My second thought was, 
why don't my friends do this? And then I just started walking around and talking to people about yoga. And then I realized, you know, all the misconceptions, people felt like they weren't included or they weren't flexible or it was against their religion. And, you know, I, I get it. There's all these different kinds of communities, but I just saw, I wouldn't even say an opportunity. I think it kind of, it, it kept pulling me in. I just started sharing yoga with my friends in, in the apartment and one thing kept leading to another. And, you know, it's it's a global thing, I guess, now with, with what we what we offer. We have a, a community of guides. We call our instructors guides. I never liked the word teacher. I thought that was, I mean, I was 20 years old teaching yoga to doctors and lawyers and all these smart people. And I knew how to how to lead them through a yoga practice safely. So the word guide really made a lot of sense. My husband and boyfriend at the time was a mountain climber. So he was saying, oh, well, a guide, you walk up the mountain and that's the person who's done it before, but you're also doing it too. And I'm like, oh, let's just say that. <laughs> so it was more of a self-deprecating move, I guess, but I just, I didn't feel like there was a lot, there was a lot I had to say and a lot I wanted to express for people to experience yoga in a way that that felt like them and a tool that you could use instead of this thing that you needed to live up to in a way. So, so yeah, it kept, you know, kept bringing more opportunities into my life. And, you know, I had no choice but to keep saying yes. And, you know, 10 years later, kept going and one thing kept leading to another. And, you know, got an email from National Geographic and thought it was a joke, deleted it a few times. (laughs) So yeah, happy to help them. And, you know, if I can offer, especially with the language in the book for the little ones, not to have them read language or be read language that makes them feel like they're not able to do something. So, you know, instructing in a way that's about moving your body in a way that feels good for you and nice for you instead of trying to push your body in a certain way or make a certain shape as the goal. So that's really been the basis of what what I've been sharing for the last, you know, couple decades, I guess. Amazing. So what does yoga do for you? Like, what are you, what makes you so passionate about it that you want to share it with everyone that you know and you don't know and everything else? I mean, I think just basically it helps me feel better so I can do better. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of this lock and key for everything that I am. You know, I, I feel like if I, if I don't do it, if I don't have a period of time where I'm, I'm thinking this way, I'm doing these things then I sort of, I can become distant from myself. And I just know that from my own experience. And I know when I, you know, it's not about the poses, it's not about the length of time. It's just about getting on the floor, connecting with myself, doing that for a few moments every day at any part of the day where I feel disconnected. And I automatically, it works every single time, feel better. It's like magic fairy dust in a in a kind of corny way, but it's sort of, if I need to rest, it tells me to rest. If I need to speed up, it tells me to speed up. If I need to, you know, read one of the books you suggest, it says, go do that now. It's just like the in- intuition becomes like a highway instead of like, oh, maybe I should follow that. It's like, nope, you're following that. It's sort of like, I feel... Like I'm, I'm put on a, a train and going in the right direction when I practice. So, and I think that's because I do yoga in a way where it, it feels good for me. And I refuse to do yoga in a way where it's about contorting my body into a certain pose. And, and, and for me, I know that that, that works really, really well. And when I share that people seem to have it work well for them too. So I'm, I'm, you know, how can I not give that to people once I've had that experience myself, or at least show them that they can do it themselves and guide them so they can become guides of their family. And I think, you know, I think it's simple. It's sort of like, you know, we all we all can do it. It's just like reading. I feel like, 
you know, if I could have 40 more years doing this and, and get to a point where I've convinced enough people that yoga is the same as reading, you just open up a book and do it, you just get on the floor and do it, then I think that's, you know, a good thing. How about yoga while reading? Maybe yeah. we could combine forces here and put, you know, like downward dog with the book like here and then, you know, two birds with one stone. Absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, I think it's important with yoga to, to always be comfortable, always be changing your position. And, you know, if you're sitting and you're reading and, and you're just sitting and, you know, taking in the information into your mind you know, taking that information into your whole self with your breath and allowing your body to move. And, and yeah, I'm, that's, 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 <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> we can do a class. <laughs> so it's one thing for you to teach yoga and then create a whole, you know, network of guides to teach other people through your philosophy. But writing about yoga, I would think, is a challenge. I tried at one point to write about all these different fitness moves. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, what do I say now? Like, move your foot to the right. And like, da, da, da. not that they're always so prescriptive, but you've written a lot about yoga. So what are some of the tricks of the trade to make it easy for people to follow and understand and get your overall message as well? Well, I mean, honestly, it's funny because you're such a, a a book industry person. But for me, in the beginning, it was getting the editor out of the way, <laughs> because you know, even in, like the first yoga book I wrote was I don't know, it was still before there was a lot of yoga books, so there was some instructions in there, but there was still, you know, there'd be like the person who's the fitness expert that wants to make it about the physicality, and yeah, you need to say where to put your foot, and that's absolutely important. But it's also important to not say, you know, squeeze your thigh. You know, it's important to talk about the movement. And, you know, my background is in dance primarily. So it's sort of describing yoga as movement. I feel is much more open than describing yoga as poses that you should be able to do exactly. So it's sort of like, yeah, obviously you're going to bring your foot forward. But before you do that, you should lean to the side and then bring your foot forward so you have some room for that foot to come forward. So, you know, my descriptions tended to be, especially when I was figuring it out in my first few times writing about yoga, it was like a lot longer. And then I would infuse way too much language of, you know, if it feels good or when you're ready. And then I realized that if you just describe things as clear, like Hemingway, as clearly as simply as possible, then there's so much beauty in that and that will be conveyed. So I think that's you know, how I came about, you know, learning about writing in general was through writing yoga movements or a little prescriptive, you know, five movements for a headache or whatever, and, and figuring out how to do that in a way that wasn't just about, you know, moving your body around. So, yeah. And tell me a little more about your, your dance sort of career and how that all, where that, where the main challenges were and the best parts and like how you ended up getting off that path. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm from this tiny little rinky-dink town where there's like one little dance studio and you go and do these really terrible competitions where, you you know, your parents put blue eyeshadow on you and send you off. <laughs> but I loved it. I didn't love all the blue eyeshadow, but I loved going to these places outside of my small town and learning from, you know, the best choreographers in New York and Europe and everything. And then I, you know, I'd get little prizes and, you know, people would say, oh, you should do this for your, for your living. And I'm like, just leave me here. You know, but I, always, like, I always had to go back, which was fine. My parents were like, you can't leave when you're 16. You just, like, we're not going to move to New York. So anyway, so I ended up going to this dance conservatory after high school for a little bit. And it was wonderful. It was like a whole world of everything I wanted from age five, but like, you know, 
long after that. So my ballet teacher was with American Ballet Theater in New York in the 70s when yoga was kind of having its first moment, I guess, in New York. And he brought in, which was kind of new in ballet programs, but he brought in yoga on Fridays for like relaxation. And that was the first time I took a yoga class. And it was this guy sitting in the front of the room and he was sort of happy for no reason at all. (laughs) And I remember just being so amazed and confused. Like you can't be getting a lot of money for doing this. Nobody's even paying attention to you and you're still happy. So I was just super curious and I wanted to learn everything about it. And I loved the experience of the physical practice. He was just super simple. It was, you know, kind of before all the yoga explosion of styles and all of that. So it's just a kind of normal experience. And I felt like I was in my own spaceship where I could connect to myself. And I remember my first thought being, yeah, this is incredible. And then I opened up my eyes and I'm like, why doesn't everybody do this? What I was like, what's going on? (laughs) It was sort of like discovering reading, you know, if you're the only one in the world that reads. (laughs) So I was, you know, pissed to be honest. I'm like, what am I going to do? You know? So there was no yoga teacher that I knew. Like I thought this guy was like from a spaceship or something sent down from planet Zoltar. You know, there's nobody like him. He's got to have another job. He's probably a secretary at Sprint or something. Who knows? So, <laughs> you know, I, I, this was not a career decision. So, you know, I was dancing and I thought that would be my job. I moved to New York, was dancing in some small companies, but I was always kind of, I wouldn't take a job for a company full time because I had this sort of hesitation of, I wanted to be open in some way to do other things. So I think that was sort of the early stages of yoga kind of pulling me in a little bit, because if you, you know, if you if you say yes to the company, then like you're on tour, you do the whole thing. It's sort of like you're stuck with that for, you know, until they fire you, basically. And then you work in the costume department there or something, (laughs) (laughs) which would have been fine. But I kept, you know, getting these other you know, other gigs and like opportunities to dance in a Matthew Barney film or like a strange, you know, Whitney Houston video or something. And it was always these things that would, you know, give me a little bit of money to pay my rent and be a fun opportunity. And it kept kind of pulling me out of making that decision to join these more well-known troops and things. So, but, you know, I guess somewhere along the line, you know, yoga kept pulling me in and, you know, I would go to find my way into some class or some workshop or some talk or some poetry reading or, you know, finding all these people like imparting wisdom. And I'd be like, you know, they'd be on flyers somewhere at that time. (laughs) But, you know, like it, it just kept finding me until I couldn't take it anymore. And then I just, you know, started sharing it with friends and anybody that I would meet that would have you know, back pain or stress, I would show them a few things they could do. And they always felt better. And that made me feel good. But I still thought it wasn't a respectable way to spend my time. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, anything I could be able to earn a living at or what one would even want to earn a living at. But, but yeah, one thing just kept leading to another. And, you know, starting the small studio was still just a hobby. It was fun. And it just started to take up more and more of my time. So How big is the whole thing? Because I know you're like everywhere. You have all these classes. Like, tell me what it's grown to. Okay. Well, now I guess. Well, I know it's the pandemic time-ish. So, you know, before pre-pandemic, let's say. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. Like, it's very decentralized, which I'm happy about because I never wanted to be like, I'm this yoga person. Follow me around. So, you know, we've led trainings over the years and things like that. So there's, you know, a few thousand guides around the world doing this. And it's cool because we all are in this community together and we all know each other and support each other and everybody's doing their own thing. And so we also have 
partner studios and partner online studios. Now a lot of them have gone online. So it's pretty global. I mean, it's in, I guess, 100 countries, you know, if we sat down and looked at all at where everybody is and everything. But that's what's cool about it. It's sort of like people that have the same idea of yoga should be something that feels good for you and they want to share that. And that's, I think that's gotten as spread as it as it's gotten because you know a lot of people just want to feel better they want something that helps them feel better something that doesn't make them feel worse essentially <laughs> so, so yeah it's you know it's a bunch of partner studios thousands of guides and they're everywhere I mean they have you know they have their own studios they teach in gyms they teach in other people's yoga studios so we're very kind of open in that way it's not like you know, a soul cycle where it only, Strala Yoga only happens in this place. And we also don't care if people do the training and they don't call it Strala Yoga. They just have a yoga class somewhere. And, you know, I'm, I'm just much more about showing people a way to, to do this that feels good. And then a lot of people want to stay within the community and a lot of people want to just take it into their life in a different way. So, yeah, I'm just happy that I get to be a part of that. And how, I know a lot of former dancers have all sorts of pain or physical sort of leftovers from the past or a lot of athletes. Do you have any of that or do you feel like your integration of yoga into your day-to-day life has sort of mitigated any any of the the lasting pain that you could have sustained? Uh, I mean, I don't know what's wrong with me, but the only time I ever hurt myself was when I was trying to be a goofball and jumped over a ballet bar and broke my toe. <laughs> I was like trying to show off for my friends. <laughs> And it was, of course, like right before performance, so I had to like perform with a broken toe, but that's still kind of, you know, your broken toe never quite heals. But I, I guess I just got lucky. And I, I think, you know, mainly I had really great teachers that, you know, they weren't telling us to force ourselves. They weren't like telling us to, you know, be bad to our bodies. And, you know, they were professional dancers. And, you know, my our modern teacher was Eileen Cropley. And she was, she was like in the station wagon with Paul Taylor, like one of the first dancers. So she would you know, she'd get mad if we were working in a way where we would injure ourselves. She's like, how are you going to have a career like that? (laughs) So it was sort of like, I know a lot of people have that experience of injuring themselves so much in dance, but I just, you know, I I never fell or I never like had, you know, a lot of the, my friends, like they would have falls from some boy dropping them wrongly or something like that. But I was also so tall that I didn't do a lot of, I did some partner work, but yeah, I was like as tall as the guys. So there was, there wasn't a whole lot of lifting of me happening. <laughs> How tall are you? It's hard to see. You know, it's hard to tell. I'm like five, eight and a half. So oh, you're not that, they're, they're a taller girl. I'm not like, I'm not like six feet. Literally. I thought you were going to say I'm six, three. And I was going to say, no, no, okay. no, no. which is fine, <laughs> whatever. You just don't know when you're like on the phone or whatever. Yeah. That's funny. And what about collaborating with your husband? How's that been? Well, yeah, I joke with him. I say, you know, you were the first straight guy that I met that did yoga. So <laughs> like, that's how you, <laughs> that's how I said yes. But no, I mean, he's, you know, he, I met him at this yoga thing and, and he was like the first straight guy that I ever really talked to that did. I mean, all my friends in dance were like gay guys, basically. So those were my, those are my friends. Those are my male role models growing up. <laughs> Take care of me. But yeah, he has this whole it's funny because he has this whole upbringing in Tai Chi and, you know, martial stuff and all this stuff that he doesn't talk about because it's like he, he can't talk about it. I'm like, I'm kind of unsure. I'm like, are you in the CIA or like, are you just making this up? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. But it's sort of like very, you know, body oriented things and, you know, specifically with Tai Chi. And so so that's been really cool. And I've learned a lot about and had a lot of synergies with, you know, my experience with dance and his experience with Tai Chi, especially that I got him like 
talking about Tai Chi more and sharing Tai Chi more in this way. And yeah, when I met him, he was doing some, he had some startup that he didn't care about at all. And I'm just like, why are you doing something you don't want to do? I don't, I just don't understand that for my own life. It's not really like an option for me to do something I don't want to do. I mean, just like qualification wise, you know, like I don't know if I could get a job, but yeah. So eventually he just kind of kept coming around and we just started working together and it was, you know, fun and then not fun. And now it's fun again. So (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) So if people listening want to do like what you said before, they have a terrible headache or they're feeling super stressed today, or this is like the worst day ever, where can they find those moves of yours to help them through? Well, I think just even without, you know, going to our website, doing our videos and all that shenanigans, I think just like sitting, coming down to the ground and letting yourself crawl around a little bit and slow down and start to breathe a little bit more full, a little bit more deep to the point where you're letting your breath move your body instead of trying to move your body with yourself, with your own muscles. I think from right there, I mean, that's kind of the the foundation of everything that we share. And if and, and that can feel better instantly without like logging online and going to our videos and all the app and all that stuff. We have all that stuff and like, you know, a lot of it's free and I think that that's super important and everything. But yeah, that, that's really the basis. And I think if, you know, you can just get on the floor, breathe, roll around, you know, your body will start to show you what, what it wants to do. And then I think that's what's so great about yoga, treated like a vocabulary of movement. It's sort of if you learn a few different movements, then you're going to just like reading know how to put a sentence together, know how to write a letter or whatever it is. And then you can, you know, I, I hope to empower people to be able to, you know, feel confident enough to do something for five minutes on their own in a way. So. And what's coming next for you? What do you have <laughs> up your sleeve aside from, aside from our new hybrid yoga reading situation? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, that's going to be the main priority right there. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But no, we finally had time now because of because of our current situation to do our app, which we had on the back burner because we do so much in person and it's just so fun to be in person with people and we love to travel and see everybody and go to all the partner studios. So we just hadn't prioritized doing that. So that's coming soon so people can practice with us. And I've been doing this silly class on Instagram for almost 100 days now every day. It's free. So the live element has been really kind of cool to do with people. So that's really what the app's going to be about. It'll have all of our, you know, decades of videos and collections and things that people already do, but it'll also be more of a live digital home studio. So we're kind of excited about that one. That's awesome. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors having done, uh, collaborated on this children's book, Yoga Animals, and then all the other books that, that you wrote? Oh gosh. I mean, it's something I'm so grateful I get to do it. I mean, I feel like I'll, I'll keep creating books as long as any publisher will say, okay, <laughs> I think it's sort of, that's this, I think that's the spirit of, of, of doing it as progress. I think, you know, a lot of people that I, I meet that want to write a book are waiting to write a book instead of just doing it. And I think it's, you know, sure. It's nice to find a publisher that wants to do it, but it's also nice to have something to show the publisher instead of what's in your head, you know, like if it's in your head, it doesn't count. You know, I don't think at all. So I think, you know, you have to just sit down and do it like a practice every single day. You know, I'm not, it's not my number one main job, but I, I do love it so much. I love the process of writing so much. I love getting better at it. I love reading. I love improving. I love, you know, figuring out how to explain things differently and, you know, with more maturity as the previous book or whatever it is. But yeah, I think it's just really important to, to sit down 
put everybody else's books aside that are your sort of familiar people that are kind of like you or that you think are like you and just sit down. And, you know, I think for me, it's making an outline. If I don't have an outline, I can't do anything. You know, it's sort of like I need to know that I'm going to do yoga before I do yoga. (laughs) So I think that's really important, creating an outline and, you know, writing an introduction and then just, just getting to work doing it. And then, you know, sharing it with people that have more experience than you. And I think, you know, and my experience, especially with, with writing and everything is people want to help and people are so happy to help people that are already doing the work. And if you're, you know, I have friends that tell me all about their books and I'm like, okay, show it to me. And they're like, no, no, it's my idea. And I'm like, oh God, you know, like I can't <laughs> like, just, you know, write pages, like do something, you know, do it, you know, get it together. And then, you know, and then, and then rewrite it a bunch of times. And then, I'm not, I'm not the gatekeeper to getting your book published, but then, you know, start showing people after you have it, something down. And if you're not proud of it, just keep rewriting it and keep showing up, keep doing it. Don't wait until, you know, you have the perfect hair day. Don't wait until like, you know, your, your stomach has the right amount of food in it or whatever it is. I think there's so much, I mean, I fall, I fall like, you know, to that all the time of, cause it's not my only job writing, but I do love it so much that I'm always working on it. But I, I noticed that's a bad habit of mine thinking, Oh, I'll do this tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh no, no, I can't. Like if I want to work on a new project, it has to be for me at least some point every day, I have to sit down and and do it. And then that's it. (laughs) It's great advice. I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks so much for coming back on another piece of my platform here and (laughs) talking on the podcast about all of your great work. And like last time, I still feel like so inspired to now go yoga and do yoga after I speak to you. And then of course, like two minutes later, I forget. And then, (laughs) so I'll have to put reminders in my calendar to sort of interview you every couple months so I can be. (laughs) When we first met on, on your Instagram, I was like, oh, I want to be friends with this woman. She's so cool. We could do yoga together. Totally. All the cool books to read. (laughs) That would be awesome. I know. I would love that. Yeah. Well, one day (laughs) when we're out of here. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on and have a really great day and everything. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Body Blast Thursday, one of the last days of my July book blast. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from a ballerina or a DNA specialist or a yoga aficionado. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at ZibbyOwens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.